with another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast where we talk about professional wrestling, past, present, and quite possibly the future. I had to, I had to point off into the distance to the stars because you know we're going to the moon. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, baby. We just concluded uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15. Uh, two nights spectacular and everything and we got some thoughts some things that we want to get off our brain off our chest and off our heart and what better man to do with than the homeboy anomaly how are you sir i am ecstatic yeah man we got a lot of things to talk about i mean especially some of these uh matches from today as well because i i was texting you trying not to spoil nothing and i was just like Hey man, this match right here. Hey man, this match right here. <laughs> but it man, yeah. uh, overall, overall, I mean, we're not going to get into a specific match, but overall, what's what are your thoughts on freaking Wrestle Kingdom 15, that night 1 and night 2? No, it was a very solid show. It was probably the most solid show I have seen in the last 380 days. Word. Yeah. I, I I agree. Um, I guess whenever we go through the card, we can just kind of go through, I mean, and kind of, I, I wouldn't say nitpick, but just, you know, do what we do. Should we talk before we get into the card about the post interview of one Jay White? Please, because I did not, I did not uh, put ears on that. Hit me, put clue me in. Hit me to the game. That was the most passionate interview I've ever seen, promo whatever that I've ever seen out of Jay White. Um. You, I, he put so much emotion into it. He had people thinking it was not a work. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I liked the most about it is he was like, more or less saying, "I'm done. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I mm-hmm. busting my ass, breaking my back?" After he had, in my opinion, the best match of his whole career. I, uh, I, I wanted to say that for when we break down the matches, but I do agree with you. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if this is a culmination play that Jay White may be showing up on AEW or Impact. Okay. Well, I'm wondering, I mean, do you think he would, uh, you know, I wouldn't say lessen himself by making the move to New Japan no. USA or doing New Japan Strong? thinking that it's part of this whole thing they're doing where they're going to put on a super show with AEW, Impact, New Japan, AAA, maybe MLW. We'll see. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, maybe that's what we're clamoring for. Yeah. And I mean, there's been an awful lot of talk about it, even on uh, pro WWE podcasts like um, Xbox. He okay. made mention of it, saying that they had to combine because there was a chance in hell they could fuck with the WWE, which I, I 
disagree with, but I'm wondering, could we get Jay White showing up on AEW and challenging Kenny Omega or challenging John Moxley or Moxley did um, a promo where he said he was ready to fight Kenta. I mean, could we be moving towards this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things that got people thinking about this stuff because of the mass exodus from New Japan, you know, the Bullet Club elite portion of it, leaving and um, branching off and starting AEW and whatnot. So we automatically thought off top is, well, I know I did. I can't speak for everybody else that I automatically thought that, hey, AEW and New Japan going to be click tight. They're going to have a working agreement and everything, and they're going to be ping-ponging back and forth with each other. We thought that because Moxley debuted on with AEW and goddamn New Japan at the same goddamn time. So it was like, all right, yeah, this is the link. This is the bridge, and uh, this is how it's going to go. But it was just more or less damn Mox, like, fuck WWE. I want to do what the hell I want now kind of a la Chris Jericho, not saying fuck WWE, but like I can do what I want. So we was like, all right, well, Jericho is over there and he's doing New Japan. Mox is over there and he's doing New Japan. And we thought that's what it was going to be. And now we got things current day with uh, freaking Omega being the champ and showing up on Impact and being the uh, AAA mega champion down there in Mexico. So it's just like so many links exactly. and everything. And you just, I'm excited. I'm excited about wrestling. <laughs> you and me you know, both, sir. You and me both. Yeah, because no lie. I mean, we always come in here and we talking about WWE majority of the time. Because it, it's, it's weird to say that it's big news because everybody has a gripe and complaint. The ones with well, AEW and Impact and all those other things is like it's not so much griping and complaining like how we do with WWE. You know, it's just like, oh man, I wish they could have did this, or why are they doing this? It's, but it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> just WWE is just in its own thing. And we got uh, Brian in the chat agreeing with I can't, the Jay White I, I, don't, I don't like WWE, like the way their companies ran. I like my own individual stars that I followed their career since they started their career. That's there. I want to see them good. I want to see them make big money. See them build their name up. So when they leave WWE, they better bookings and more. But the whole product of WWE, I think, sucks. Yeah, it's my personal. Well, let's get a little bit into night one. I. I I was I had the card put up here for night one and night two, and I think we should switch it up a little bit. Instead of going from uh, top to bottom of the card, I say we go from the shortest matches to the longest matches. Well, you quarterback it then. <laughs> All right, very well. So we had the shortest match on the card for night one, excluding we're going to exclude the uh 21 man uh new japan uh, rambo shit that they did for the KOPW provisional trophy champion bullshit whatever the hell um, yeah that was a letdown this year that 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 little battle roll this year all right so the shortest match on the card for night 1 
is Kenta versus uh, Kojima for the IWGP United States Championship right to challenge briefcase money in the bank hamburger sandwich thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it was originally supposed to be Juice Robinson, but he received an orbital bone injury um, from getting hit with the briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) So... he he's out of the running, so uh, Kojima stepped in at the last minute. Uh, and um, what I like about the New Japan broadcasting team, I know they got they switch out elements here and there, but uh, wh- who is that? Kevin Kelly, that's there, really the mainstay. I like yes. him, Rocky Romero, and um, I forget the other guy, Chris, the one that does the Japanese translation. I like that combination of the commentary team. It's good, but that that. Dude that does the jam- Japanese translate gets on my nerves, though. I ain't gonna lie, he get on my nerves. Well, I mean, I like him because I mean, we get the instant translations and most of the um, stuff that we I don't understand. So I like that aspect of it, but yeah. also he uh, he really chimes in a lot with a lot of the um, the facts and statistics, which I have enjoyed with between him and um, Kelly and and the Chris guy. Whatever. Rocket Romero always adds in his experience because he's been in New Japan for so long and he's familiar with the talent. So I believe it's a great combination. But the statistics is what I like. I really like that a lot. I can see. Uh, That match, what I liked most about it was Kojima is 50 years old and he's going out there and putting putting up an amazing performance. I mean, He's doing it for the OGs, man. I mean, Kojima's yeah. been there for a long, long time. This guy's been wrestling for 30 plus years, taking strong style bumps. And mm-hmm. he's still actively in there kicking ass and taking names. Kojima, yeah. the US loves you, brother. Uh yeah. that was a solid match, too. There mm-hmm. was nothing I wrong mean, with it. I would go ahead. My my only thing is is just like would the outcome have been different if Juice hadn't got hurt? Because me seeing the substitution automatically made me think that, hey, Kenta got this in the bag. You know, this is just, you know, what it is. is a last-minute substitution. You know, I didn't, I had no thought in my mind that Kojima was going to win this match whatsoever. I don't think so anybody did. Like, yeah, but, but I wouldn't have minded if Kojima won yeah, but at the same time, to, to that point that I was making earlier about the commentary team, they played that up so well about how he d- even doubted himself and how he didn't think yeah. that, you know, at his age and the stage of his career that he deserved a shot or if he could take this opportunity and become, you know, the challenger for the United States title. So that's what I enjoy about the commentary team. They make stories or, they, well, they just bring up those things to light that we wouldn't have never known edgewise. Yeah, they they actually do their job as post WWE acting like no one else exists. Mm. Can we say that? <laughs> Fuck WWE. <laughs> I mean, they did a damn good job with that. They told the story. They helped tell the story that was being te- told in the ring. It was a different story altogether compared to Juice and Kenta. There could be a totally different story told there, but the Kojima Kenta story being thrown together that quick. And still being able to execute that well, 
I mean, hats off to NJPW. They are a world-class organization that still does the art of pro wrestling. Sports entertainment, you fucking bitches. <laughs> and what, I think this is the biggest assembly for wrestling fans ever. Over 20,000 people was at that event. Yes, sir. During a pandemic. During a pandemic. They got the protocol down. During they got it wrapped tight. Yeah. You can only clap. Yeah. It, that that's what I liked about that leading up to this as well. Damn, how Jay White would troll the crowd and get him to boom, try to get him to boom and everything, and kind of make some kind of noise because that was kind of that was against the protocol. So Jay White forever being the heel, the bad guy. Yeah, and now and you know, I know you haven't got to see the promo slash post interview he did, but a lot of people thought it was maybe him turning turning face. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it was pretty passionate. Well, I mean, even um, the comments that he had before, then when he was talking about um, uh, match of the year uh, honors and all kind of stuff like that, he's like, "I don't give a shit about any of that." He's like, "I'm here to win." You know, I, if yeah, I win. try to achieve, if I focus on those accolades or whatever and whatnot, you know, who cares if I win? If I can get the honor, it, it was it was well put together. I'm doing it a disservice trying to memorize what he was saying and shit. But he was just like, "It's a bunch of bullshit." I want to win, yeah. and I shouldn't be able to. I shouldn't be awarded with match of anything if I lost. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is once again what I would call it. I I hate talking like an insider because I'm really not. I'm just a, a diehard super fan and a historian. Self talk. But this was brilliant booking. This whole show was booked so brilliantly that it made you love pro wrestling. This is what I was always talking about when I said, when wrestling takes you to Neverland, you forget what you're watching is any kind of choreographicness or whatever. You're into the storyline and you're in Neverland again, dude. And that's what they done with this show. This, I mean, regardless, and I've seen some bad reviews for Wrestle Kingdom yeah. 15. I have. And, hey, more power to you. That, that's cool. It ain't your fault that you've been poisoned by WWE. But that is how a wrestling show should be. Everything about that was great. And then they played off the bookings for future storylines for the rest of the year off of that one damn show. Exactly. Uh, one being the next match on the card coming up short. It is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the great Okan, which Love I, that match. I, I thought it should have been a different outcome. You know, I can feel it. We kind of spoke about that um, with the uh, Will Ospreay and Okada match, but I yeah. thought the great Okan would have benefited from winning this match, but at the same time, he did benefit yeah. from being in this match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't like it was a squash match or anything, oh, no. but I mean, he did his thing. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he, he was firmly in control for the majority of that match. You know, he got all his shit in, and, you know, Tanahashi do what he do. He come back, and he win. <laughs> and, and, you know, he has got a very unique character like mm-hmm. 
I like his character. I like the way he came down to the ring. He's, he, mm-hmm. he's got some swag to him, man. He got that drip going. He had, you know, <laughs> half the time hanging off his mask. Mm-hmm. See, and dude, you know? he he was one of the ones in that Young Lions class. It was him, uh, Kitamura, uh, Watto, mm-hmm. and um, another guy. I forgot who he was, but uh, Kitamura got injured and he left New Japan. He was the one, he was the big yoke dude that had the, um, the fanged uh, mouthpiece. Fang. And yep. I kind of think he, he, since they was in the same class, uh, Kredo Khan, he daggone borrowed that from Kojima. <laughs> I mean, Kitamura, I'm sorry. He, I think yeah, he borrowed Kitamura. that from him or whatever, because that was his thing. And that, then when he came back, you know, he, he was rocking the, um, the fanged mouthpiece. But another thing about that guy, he turned it around for me because when he first became a young lion, he was a big portly guy. He was real he was heavier set, but he transformed his body and everything. And he really turned it around for me. Uh, in that class of young lions, him, Watto, and uh, Kitamura was uh, my three favorites. You know, that whole class yeah. was pretty damn decent, but those three stuck out to me. And the one that I saw that had a tremendous upside to him was Kitamura, the one that quit, the big yoke guy. And I hope I'm saying his name yeah. right. But um, you are they were testing him as well. They put him in that gauntlet match with all those legends, like Makabe and um, I forget the um, the one guy named Big Blue Justice, the one that do the salute. Yeah. So Yuji uh, he... Nagata. There you go. They put him through a gauntlet with Makabe and a whole bunch of the yeah. other OGs of New Japan to test him. Beat the shit out of him. They beat his ass <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But, but I believe they were putting a lot of stock in him because he had so much potential and everything. But unfortunately, you know, he got hurt and he, he, got- uh, he bowed out. But I still follow yeah. him on Instagram. He still yoked his ever. Looked better than what he was when he was in the ring. Um, but Kredo yeah. Khan, he went to Europe on his excursion and held a undefeated record of 45 and oh, or something like that for the longest of time while on excursion. Yeah. So he was doing tremendously. I seen pictures of him before he made his New Japan uh debut because I tracked him and Watto yeah. and um uh Kitamura when they left because I wanted to see the journey. Yeah. This was the first time that I ever tracked a young Lions class from the time I seen them on the screen till they left to do their excursion. This is the first time that I tracked somebody. I followed them on Instagram, on Twitter, so I can keep up. So, Fred O'Conn went to Europe. Watto went to Mexico. And, you know, Kitamura got bounced out. But, but Watto, he was um, doing all right in Mexico from what I saw. But Fred O'Conn was just on another level already won championships tag championships and just had that long ass undefeated streak and when he came back again you know um helping will osprey against okada i was like he the fucking man he the fucking man and when wato came back i was like hey it's wato oh this blue hair and this what is this grand (laughs) i was was like ah i was kind of (laughs) disappointed Yeah, I, I people don't realize how much me and you text or just send random shit to each other on Twitter and stuff. You actually was sending me pictures of Great O'Conn like month, a, a couple months.
months ago and was like, dude, look, look how the fuck he's he's transformed himself. He's got the makings of superstar in him. And I see him, I was like, yeah, he does. And uh that was actually the first match I'd seen of his since he, you know, graduated from the black tights of the young lions. And um he impressed me. I mean, um but I I, I like the Tanahashi one. Tanahashi looked great in that match. He yeah. did. He he's back in good physical shape. I mean, I don't think he's ever gonna win the world title again. But uh, really like to see them ununify the titles. I, just, I don't dig that the IC and the world title unification at all. I yeah. think they need to use that title to build up somebody. Yeah, and I think they will do that eventually because initially that was Naito's plan. He said that himself mm-hmm. that he wanted to defend them separately rather than together. Yeah. So that remains to be seen. I mean, we already got a challenger for the double championship. And I was kind of hoping once we get to that part that, you know, it'll echo the sentiment that we were just speaking about, about defending them separately. But all in yeah. all, I was satisfied with this match. What it did for Kredo Khan, um, it made Tanahashi still look like the superstar he is. I mean, you can't make him look bad. I mean, only he can no. do that to him. But, you know, he barely does that. And um, it's just, it was a great star-building moment for Great Okan. Yeah, I mean, he he put up a great fight. And, I mean, you got to think, Jay White did the same thing with Tanahashi when he came back. I mean, and, and he lost. Tanahashi is an epic superstar, especially over there in Japan. So don't expect somebody to just come in and pin him at Wrestle Kingdom. It's, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you know that, what that I was, was a solid match. Yeah. Also, what I was noticing too is like we talk about Great Okan and Tanahashi. We talk about Jay White and Tanahashi. And some of the other young guys that face Tanahashi, Tanahashi is being that gatekeeper for New Japan. He's like, Hey, I'm the elder statesman here. I'm the man. So you young motherfuckers gotta come through me, goddammit. it. <laughs> I had to come through him. Yep. Abushi Everybody. had to come through him. Nido had to come through him. I'm yep. You're right. He's the gatekeeper. He's the John Cena of New Japan to a certain degree. Yeah, I, I can agree Which with is, that sentiment. Yeah, and I'm not down at John Cena. John Cena, I, I think John Cena is actually an underrated professional wrestler. That's just my personal yeah, he, opinion. I, I have come around on him as well. I, I always talk to, oh, Super Cena, you know, get beat down, come back and win and all that. I was I was down on him, but he turned it around and I, I'm a firm John Cena fan now. Next match on the card, coming in at 17 minutes and 46 seconds, it is Hiromu Takahashi versus El Fantasmo. Is the for the uh, right to challenge the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on night t- for the uh, on night two. So, yeah, this was a good match as well. But you know, I've seen a lot of guys shitting on this match online, and I was surprised. I don't understand why. I mean. Maybe because it's a Hiromu. They was shitting on El Fantasmo mostly. They was like, oh, he no sells. He's a spot monkey. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I Hiromu think he did no sell. I think he did too. I mean, it, it was a damn good match. I mean, a couple of the high spots, Hiromu did make me, because I know his neck's still fucked up. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he took some unneeded risk in that match. Uh, I honestly thought it was a solid match. I would have given it a three out of five stars. Mm-hmm. That that one spot where Fantasmo hit the the top rope moonsault out into the that was to the, to the apron. That was, it's like I've seen many of wrestler, you know, just uh, conquer those ropes. Uh, Grand Metalik in the WWE and a couple of other people that I've seen down in AAA just kind of walk those ropes or whatever. But I've never seen anybody walk them like that. And that's yeah, I really, I really the, think he did a good job. Yeah, and um, they there's some inner uh, storytelling in there, like how we were speaking about before, how something always kind of leads to something else or alludes to something else and everything like that. After he did that moonsault, he was having problems with his foot and he was uh, using that yeah. same foot that he was having a problem with to attack Hiromu hands and other limbs and whatnot. And he was, Hiromu made the comment about, you know, something was off with that boot. Some it was in his shoe or something like that and everything. It, those kicks and hits that he was receiving was like on a, you know, had a little extra sting and tinge to him and whatnot. So that's just like a little something extra that you can put in a layer of that story. Because he he, yeah. he worked the shit out of Hiromo. He, he fucked that hand up. And what I enjoyed about this match, we talk about storytelling and selling, Hiromo sold the fuck out of that hand. He did. And then he sold it the next night too. He exactly. protected that something like it was really broke. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which it may have been, you never know. But Especially if you watch the, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not. I, I don't even want to jump ahead. But the second night match, Hiromu was still protecting the hand like it was broken. So, you know it. That was pretty dope. So, yeah, it's just, I don't, don't want to jump too much ahead. Of yeah, it's just awareness in your character and what's going on in these matches and whatnot. When you can carry over something that happened the night before or a week before or however long, just continuity is what you you, you expect it in TV shows and movies. You should also expect it in your professional wrestling. But I mean, it kind of has a little different rules or whatever, but it shouldn't bend that much. But you know, that's, I that's had, the thing I like about Japan. It, it kayfabe still lives in Japan. Well, I had the sinking suspicion that it was going to be Hiromu winning this match and going home to face uh, Taishi Ishimori. Because yeah. as long as I've been watching New Japan, as long as I've got to know the character of Hiromu, as long as I've got to know the character of Taishi Ishimori, these two hate each other. And every chance they get... Yeah. They always want to fight each other. So I was just like, this yeah. is just poetic justice. They ain't going to do no Bullet Club versus Bullet Club shit at Wrestle Kingdom. Hiromu got this. Nah. And they're going to continue the story of Taishi Ishimori and Hiromu Takahashi. <laughs> Definitely. And that's what happened. Yeah, um, the rivalry like between said, the two, uh, I think Takahashi has uh, the, the lead as far as wins. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, though, this match, I, get, I gave it a three out of five stars. It was a good, solid match. There were some good high spots in it, uh, fast-paced. It, you didn't get bored with it. I'd give it a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Word. So that brings us to the next match on the card. Coming in at 19 minutes and 18 seconds, it is the Gorillas of Destiny versus Dangerous Techers for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. 
thoughts on How this. fucking good is G-O-D? Let's just be real. How fucking good are they? They, they are good. I, well, I always always had a bias towards uh, Tamatonga since the first time I seen him. I thought that I, I think that dude can do no wrong. And then um, right, uh, <laughs> uh, Camacho come in from a uh, WWE and NXT. His brother and and joining mm-hmm. New Japan, joining the Bullet Club, and then becoming a tag team. I was kind of sour on him because of what I saw previous. I was like, uh, he ain't too good. I mean, he's a good big man, but Seeing him grow and develop uh, over his time in New Japan, you know, I got a little more respect for him. I mean, I still don't like him as much as uh, Tama, but they do make a good tandem. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think they're the best tag team in the world right now. Word. Heavyweight tag team. I think mm-hmm. they're the best. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. the way they're, they're – name a better tag team right now than G.O.D. Um, I don't want to sound silly when I say this, but I don't know. Fuck that. Dream scenario: <laughs> Grills of Destiny. You can put them up against any tag team, current or, or opposed. Who would you like to see them go up against? Honestly, I want to see them go against the Usos and beat the shit out of. Them. <laughs> See, that's not bad. That's not bad. As a, you got two different dynasties there, you know, from the island of Tonga, and you know, yeah, that would be that would be a rough match, honestly. Because I mean, the Usos they they are good performers, but they yeah. they don't seem rough to me like God is. Now that's what I'm saying. Imagine how. I do not want to send my boys to WWE. Let me get that straight. But just imagine how great it would be if Tomatonga just showed up right there in the middle of the fucking ring and and, and gun stunned one of the Usos. Mm. Or even Roman Reigns. And and that's my thing, too, is just like I'm thinking about it now that you bring these two teams up. It's like if if I had to go to war, if I had to go in a bar fight brawl and I can only take one of these two teams with me, (laughs) <laughs> I'm going with G.O.D. Over on, the every time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, come on, bro. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, They Haku sons. Come on, bro. Yeah. They Haku sons. Apples don't fall far from the tree, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I, I had mixed feelings about this one. It's just like I wanted G.O.D. to win right out the gate. But I wouldn't a hundred percent sure that they could pull it off. You know, it's just, I don't know. Did you kind of feel like the match just went through the motions for a little bit? Yeah, I was. I was just looking for. I was just looking for typical Jack Saber Junior spots and shit, where you arm ring the arm and do the little back kick and shit, or freaking um a, a knee bar or something like that. But. Toward the end of the match, they kind of amped it up and everything, and there was a lot of shenanigans because that's what both teams are known for. Like, yeah. Uh, you know the thing is, I I don't like Zack Saber Jr. in tag team matches like that. I like seeing Zack Saber Jr. just eat somebody alive in the ring one on one. This mm-hmm. dude, 
he's he's got the it factor. I don't know what's stopping them from like pushing him further ahead, except for his weight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, watching him dissect somebody, I mean, he's a legit shooter. He could fuck you up in twenty different ways from Sunday. Mm-hmm. I did that. It's masterful. It's an art form or whatever. It's just like when you think you've seen everything from him. Because I mean, what I know, uh, what I come to know about New Japan, certain wrestlers are very formulaic. You know, they're gonna have to do these same moves every fucking time. Jacks as Jack, Zach Saber Jr. does that, but he'll surprise you every time with something different. And it's just like never the same. It's like I can't explain it. It just it blows my fucking mind. Is he got to do in the arm bar and he flip it around, turn into a triangle, then you take out of the triangle and go to a knee bar, then you go from the knee bar to a waist lock and a takedown, and it's just it's, it dizzy. He's so damn smooth. <laughs> yeah. First time then, I seen him, man, I was in shock. First time I seen him, he wrestled Osprey in Red Pro. That was mm-hmm. the first match of his I ever seen. And I heard rumors about how good he was. But just to see him and Osprey in Red Pro like that. I was in shock. And plus, he dude, he fucking tore Osprey to pieces, man. I felt bad for Osprey. And what's, I mean, what's funny, he fucked him up. And what's funny about it, you bring up Osprey and whatnot. I used to get Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Osprey mixed up all the fucking time. <laughs> So when somebody would bring up Zack Sabre Jr., I thought it was Will Ospreay. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the motherfucker that do the flips and shit. You know, and then I seen him in the, um, the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic or whatever. He he was in the first one. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not Jack Sabre. I mean, uh, Will Ospreay or Zack Sabre Jr. I was like, who the fuck is? Oh, man. I got, got my British people mixed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I always but yeah, thought those two he- same person. Now I was like, "Oh, he he looks different now. He changed his attire." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could definitely tell a difference in him now because Osprey's put on about forty pounds of muscle. Oh hell yeah! And he, he changed his style completely. Well, not completely. Yeah. But he, he made some changes, nonetheless. But he definitely um, made some changes. But th- there's still some more storytelling with this match and whatnot. At the end, uh, using the the metal claw. Against uh, dangerous Texas was a uh, freaking pretty cool. and he kept it. Yeah. He's even posting it on his Instagram, nuzzled in the in the bed next to his plush stuffed animal or whatnot, <laughs> telling it good night and shit. So there's going to be more between uh, God and the dangerous Texas. Definitely, definitely, and that's the good thing about New Japan. They build storylines. They keep it going. They keep it interesting. And kayfabe lives there. And you I'll you be- you might see Tamatanga go eat with the glove. He might go out to eat and hit the glove next to him. <laughs> Talking about what you want for dinner, baby. <laughs> like Brian is saying here in the, um, the chat, Zack Sabre Jr. is like watching Bob Ross painting. You don't know what you're seeing at first, but by the end, it's an amazing picture and whatnot. I agree. I agree. He's a bad motherfucker. Shut your he, mouth. He, he, <laughs> I'm just talking about Zack Sabre, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, it was a good match too. Like we were saying, I don't think there was any match on this card, especially for night one, that was a, it started kind of slow, but by the end, you, I'm on the edge of my seat. I was invested. Yeah. 
definitely. I, I that's I didn't get a lot of the people saying that they they wasn't into this show. I mean, look, everybody keeps on trying to hold every Wrestle Kingdom to the same standard of Wrestle Kingdom Nine. I'm gonna tell you, I've seen every Wrestle Kingdom, every single one. Mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom Nine was the best one. Period. I'm First, just being honest. And my favorite match, my GOAT match, my number one, Anomaly's number one GOAT match is Kota Abushi and Sinsuke Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom 9. Mm-hmm. You are not going to be able to compare every Wrestle Kingdom to Wrestle Kingdom 9. That was an epic, super star-studded performance by every single performer there that night because it was the first time they was really getting U.S. recognition. So they was pushing the envelope that night. So quit trying to compare it. And by gosh, you cannot compare the main events like like Okada and Omega one and two. I mean, Okada and Omega, that's that you can't compare these these people. I mean, yeah. come on. Those it, it there's a formula there with these individuals, man. You cannot expect to get that same formula from other people. It, it, Enjoy for what it is, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got some more on that later. But the next match on the card, well, not on the card, but as far as uh, time-wise, 31 minutes and 18 seconds. It is Kota Ibushi uh, going against uh, Tensuya Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and IWGP Intercontinental Championship. So yeah. that is the second highest, you know, lengthwise match on the card. After that is a uh, build as the main event, Okada and uh, Osprey. But since we're going in time order, we got the uh, main event for night one. So now, in my heart of hearts, because we talked about this last time we was on the show. I mean, not me and you specifically, but when we did the last recording, I was talking a little bit about Kota Ibushi. He is not a homegrown New Japan talent. He made no. he made his way outside of New Japan and then worked his way into New Japan. So he's a real traveler. Yeah. So with that being said, there was a lot of trust issues with Kota Ibushi because he was unpredictable. He always wanted to do his own thing, wrestle his own way, and uh, you know do do it his own way, be his own man. You know, he didn't want to live in the confines of a system per se. You know, you wanted to just do him, do what the fuck you wanted. So me getting to know Kota Ibushi because of New Japan and it's small excursion that I was able to see, you know, him being in the CWC, the same one that Zack Sabre Jr. was in. And um, just a couple of odds and ends here and there outside of New Japan is just like, this dude is crazy. <laughs> this dude is insane. It's just like his in-ring is just ridiculous i've never seen this look at it this way i'm a slender guy i'm about to be what 39 i think here in the next two months Coda is a year or two older than me i think <laughs> yeah it's just hold on let me fact check this because he doesn't look it I might be, you might even be no. older. Yeah, he's no, in his 40s. We the same age. We the same age. Me and Koto Ibushi is the same age. Okay. And <laughs> that's crazy because I look a lot older than what I am. But this dude is 
ageless. He is timeless. He is a freaking specimen. If you can dag on, we everybody talk about Randy Orton, and if you can create a wrestler, that's what it would look like. I think that's what uh JBL used to say. Nah, Kota Ibushi Kota is Ibushi. what he is the mold wrestler. I mean, just pure athlete. But yeah, there's been a theme with him. Anytime that he rose to prominence, and even Jay White spoke about this in a lot of his promo. Anytime he raised to prominence. The legs are cut out from under him, and he's just, boom, he's down back at the bottom or he disappear or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I feel that. It's just like, oh, man, they don't trust him because he's an outsider. You know, he wasn't made in Japan. I mean, in New Japan Pro Wrestling and whatnot. I mean, even look at the comparisons between him and Jay White, who is seemingly by birth an outsider, but he was raised in the New Japan Dojo. You know? He's a product of the system. Yeah, so I mean, he's been favored in my eyes. He looks like he's been favored more than Kota Ibushi, who I feel like is a better competitor all around. But you know, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel in the moment and whatnot. But it was just something nagging me. I was like, they're going to yank the rug out from under this dude again, man. After he done signed his long term contract, after he turned down the AEW shit, supposedly. I don't know. It's just my thoughts in the thing because there's a relationship with Kenny Omega and the other guys. And, you know, he had that, that flight tendency to go off and do other things, but he hunkered down and he stayed there. And that's even like his catchphrase. Now you never retreat. You'll never, uh, you know, give in. He'll never leave and he'll never betray you or some shit like that. You know? So he's fully committed to new Japan, but they weren't at the time fully committed to him. They was like, I don't know about you. You, you crazy bastard. <laughs> you know, you might go do a freaking 380 corkscrew flip off a skyscraper somewhere and hurt yourself, and then where are we going to be then? But, right. I don't know, man. It's just this match play with my heartstrings. You know, it's just like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? You know, but I don't know. What were your thoughts on this match? Basically, I gave this match a four out of five stars, mm-hmm. which is down. I think it's down from what you said earlier. Or was that a different match? No, I gave this, no, that was, I gave this night one a, two. That was night two. Yeah, I gave this match a four star. Uh, there was something missing from it. I don't know what it was. I've been saying for about a year and a half, I thought Naito was the greatest active male performer in pro wrestling. I don't, I, honest opinion, I think he's injured and he's not telling me. I think they're keeping it hush hush because mm-hmm. that was not Naito. I know. Yeah, there was it. Yeah. something was missing. I, I will agree with you because I mean I looked at that match. I mean they did do thirty five minutes and everything. Yeah, but it just seemed it just felt sluggish. It felt off. I mean, I yeah. don't know. It was just like I was expecting more, but. Yeah. To your point, I Me mean, I can, I can totally see what you're saying because, I mean, it was the same thing with um, Tanahashi. He was wrestling all those times injured, not saying shit or just kind of working through it, you know, being a company man and everything. And um, Naito, he has them worked so hard to get to where he wants to be and to be, you know, sidelined by injury or whatever the case may be, maybe personal issues or whatever. I mean, we don't know. But Something to, be, was off. 
to get there to where you want to be, to be that figurehead of a company, to be the leader and then have to leave or just be heard or just, I mean, it's kind of weighing on you. It'll, it'll weigh on you mentally. So, I mean, I thought it was yeah, great I, though. The, the end, how he, yeah, I was hoping, I, did too. I, I was hoping for that. I, I, I hoped that he would present him with the titles. You know, I, I hope that in my heart of hearts because it would have just been so poetic because it goes with everything I was saying that like they didn't trust him. He was an outsider. They put him through so much shit to get to this point. He had the, he had the briefcase taken from him or whatever, which I didn't understand before. You know, I was just like, hold up. He got a title shot, even though they took the briefcase from him. But Naito granted him the opportunity because of the circumstances that he lost the briefcase. Jay White had his feet up on the ropes. Referee didn't see it. So that's just, that's just, um, that's just great storytelling. And it's just, I couldn't see it end any other way than Kota Ibushi getting his hand raised and both of those titles. Yeah. And I mean, just because I'm saying that something was off, the, the casual New Japan wrestling fan or the newer New Japan wrestling fan would not be able to pick up on shit that my ass picks up on. I've been seeing Naito wrestle for years and years and years and years and years. Okay. I know Naito's style. I know how quick Naito is. I know his timing. I know everything there is to know about this motherfucker. He was off his game yesterday and or the other day, and Naito is never off on a Wrestle Kingdom. Something is going on with my dude. I'm just saying. And I think that also goes into him presenting Abushi with the titles because he knew he couldn't properly represent New Japan the way he needed to. So he passed the torch to someone he knew could. Spe- speaking of a New Japan former, <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Agree. It seemed like some sort of passing of the torch. That's what it seemed yeah. like. You know, or somebody yeah. just like be here in my stead and carry on while I go do whatever or whatever the case may be. That's what it seemed like to me. Me too. But also, maybe you just burnt out. I don't know, but there was something off. But also, I was thinking that like if this was the plan from Jump Street to put a uh, put the strap on Kota Ibushi and have him go against Jay White in night two. Maybe they just kind of played down a little bit because he was going to go all out on the night after. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I, like, say, I mean, say. <laughs> it was just something off, man. It, was just- it did seem off. You're you hundred percent correct. In my eyes anyway, at least. I mean, we seeing the same shit. I was just like yeah. over and I was just like, and, yeah, like what? Yeah, and just like the, the the simple shit at the end, the, the symbolism and shit. The match was over. The bell was rung, but Coda thought they were still fighting. You know, he he went laid down on them again after he got the three count. And he was like, "Oh, it's it's over? Like for real? Yeah. Like he couldn't believe yeah. he actually won that. The, you know that he, the thing that he wanted the most that he finally had it. He just he couldn't believe it was true. You know." And it goes yeah. with a while, and they get to the top, get knocked down, get to the top, get knocked down. And him 
not even realizing that he won and still thinking that he had to fight to continue to fight it was just like great storytelling. Yeah, it was. The whole, the, it, that was that's the thing is even if we're saying there was something off about the match, this was still brilliant storytelling on a great wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much so, symbolism, so so many insulated layers within the story and whatnot. Yes. Which that was the main event, but now we get to the longest running match on the card, which will be the last one for night one as we go uh, chronologically time order and whatnot. That would be the the real main event. (laughs) Kazuchika Okada uh, versus Will Offspray, which lasted 35 minutes and 41 seconds. So five star match. match. Five stars, you say? Five star match. Perfect wrestling match. Perfect. Perfect. Like, I want to know your opinion though, because you are the the biggest Okada hater on the planet. The mm. only person you hate more than Okada is the Undertaker. Mm, let me put on my hater coat. Drink <laughs> hater. Okay. First off, before I even get into the match, I think what I text you when um after I watched it was um or after you watched it either either way I text you I was like it should have went the other way yeah I, I agree I think Osprey should have won that match but I do too but you know that's just my thinking you know just looking at the card looking at this match looking at the individuals in it after hearing the commentary team talk about you know what was going on in the ring and the you know circumstances surrounding this whole thing i kind of understand why they went with okada because what the, what was built up to me on commentary is that okada is trying to find his way back and to uh, where he was to where he was before you know longest reigning iwgp heavyweight champion um what i think most reigns as iwgp heavyweight champion and they even alluded not alluded but they even brought up the fact that the dude is only 32 years old and he's accomplished yeah he accomplished so much in new japan you know just phenomenal shit that i will not discount even though he's not one of my favorite wrestlers yeah i wouldn't you hear me talk shit about the undertaker you're starting to hear me talk shit about Goldberg. You heard me rant and rave about motherfucking Matt Hardy. But other than me saying I don't like Okada, he's not my favorite wrestler, that's all you hear from me. You won't hear no other slander on the level of those other three names that I just mentioned. But I want Osprey to win because he's made this miraculous change not only to his uh, physical well-being, but just his attitude and his persona because he was this stringy high fly freaking energetic baby face cruiserweight light heavyweight motherfucker then he put on the weight beefed up changed the style became a heavyweight and then now he just has this whole complete a whole completely different attitude and whatnot and i don't know man it's just like i wanted him to win more than I wanted Okada to win. I don't even know if that's just my bias 
or my anti-bias because I'm not biased <laughs> for Okada, but it's just I'm not really feeling it, you know. <laughs> the match, though, the match in itself, there wasn't a flaw in this match at all. The the, no, the pace no was good. Yeah, no stammers, no stumbles, no nothing. It was just it was there. there it was. There was no spot that was just there to be a spot. Even the Spanish fly off the top, there was a reason for it. I mean, it was you, you a 36 minute match of excellent storytelling where I'm sitting there like, and you didn't know who was going to win. Mm -hmm. You were like, wow, this is great. This is wrestling. This is like, I was, I was caught up in that match. That was a great match. I was, and I mean, that's how I look at wrestling too. I'm not, like your average Joe wrestling fan, I look for certain things that other wrestling fans don't look for because I've been studying the shit for so damn long. That was a perfect match. It's up there with Owen Hart and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10. It was perfect in every aspect. It had mat wrestling. It had high flying. It had had strong style spots. It it had a brilliant story being told. Mm -hmm. That was if you was trying to train someone in the art of pro wrestling and wanting them to know the psychology, selling, the movements, pace, and everything, that would be the match you would want to show them. There was nothing wrong with that match at all. It was a perfect five-star match. Yeah. It was kind of reminding me of um, the tiff that uh, Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. was having back in the gap or whatever. Anytime that they went up against each other for, I think, the uh, – light heavyweight championship or i think even when it was in rev pro the one of the championships there osprey would always come up short you know yeah and then um they even i, I don't i forget if it was i don't think it was wrestle kingdom but it was one of the um, new japan's um bigger events as well they had that big feud and they had to blow off to where osprey finally vanquished uh zach saber jr and won that title so I thought that was yeah. a great piece of storytelling, which that could be the same thing that they're doing with Osprey and Okada. And yeah, because be oh, go ahead. Yeah, I I, I was saying I, I I wouldn't be mad at that if that's what they were building to. It's just these two are just gonna be at each other's throats from here on until they come to a head finally. Well, Osprey's being prepped to be a, a world heavyweight champion. I mean, I, let's just be honest. It. That's why he's put on the weight. I believe it. So, so if you get Osprey versus Okada after they just had a five star match at Wrestle Kingdom fifteen, a main event come Wrestle Kingdom seventeen, maybe sixteen. We don't know. I would have no problem with that because they can tear the roof off a building. Mm -hmm. So, I it kind of reminds me of um. In the 90s, the early 90s, I used to go to all of the WWF's house shows. And I kid you not, I seen Rock and Triple H wrestle each other one-on-one -on -one probably 800 times. Yeah. And this was before they were main events. And it was kind of like them prepping them, getting them ready for the main event. I kind of feel like that's what we got with Okada and Osprey last night or the other night was they're being prepped for a main event type match. Yeah. And then if anything, I mean, Osprey, I mean, <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me look at, let me fact check before I speak these words out of my mouth. 
Because, I mean, I thought, you know, Okada is only 32 years old. Osprey yeah. is 27. So he is yeah, a young a man baby. by comparison. So yeah. I'm just like, but in in terms of wrestling age, Okada is way older than Osprey. You know, longest reign IWGP heavyweight champion, most reigns IWPG heavyweight champion, all these accolades from a man that's only 32 years old in Okada. And then you got the younger man and Will Ospreay, who we've kind of seen develop over the years, most recently or whatever, with his change of style because of the injury and his uh, putting on the weight and all those different type of things and whatnot. It's just like they're putting him with Okada so he can learn from Okada how to be a heavyweight champion. Definitely. And that's, that's another thing that, that New Japan does with their storylines. It's kind of like watching, you know, the, the, the young boy turn into to a, a samurai. You know, you're watching them grow. And that's how you should run a wrestling company. I mean, I don't mean to just keep on saying that, but that's the difference between pro wrestling and sports entertainment. New Japan is the king of sports for a reason. Like the shirt says, motherfuckers, king of sports. <laughs> All so right. uh, that's that's the difference. If you want to watch sports entertainment, go watch Raw or, or SmackDown or whatever. You want to watch pro wrestling, you watch New Japan. Dude, I tell you what, though. I turned it on last night, Monday Night Raw, and forgot they was doing the Legends Night or whatever the fuck. On for like a good five or ten minutes, and I turned that shit smooth the fuck off. <laughs> It was just like it wasn't I it couldn't keep my attention, man. And there's there's some good parts on there, you know. There's some individuals that I, I enjoy watching, but it's just like for the life of me, I was just sitting there and I was just I was I was fidgeting. I was just like, uh, uh, uh I could be doing something else rather than this, and that's fucking sad. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean the only reason I watched WrestleMania this year is because my son begged me to put it on. I didn't want to watch that shit, and I regret it watching. <laughs> and it's just the same thing. They're gonna make me watch Royal Rumble, and the only way I'm gonna enjoy that is if AJ Styles wins the Rumble. I mean, I don't want to watch that shit. I don't like it. It's it's corny to me. I it's not pro wrestling. I it, it, it's it's just not what I watched last night was pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. That shit is uh, I don't know though. I can't even put it in the It sucks. <laughs> well, let's move on to night two, shall we, sir? One match yes, sir. on here that um, blew right by me, and I had no idea that it was on here. That um, a six-woman tag match. Um, the ladies from Stardom had a um, match on here, and I, I I completely missed that one. So, did you get to watch that? I did too. No, I missed that too. Yeah, it was a uh, nine minutes and forty eight seconds. It was uh, the lowest ma- lowest time to match on the card, next to uh, the Toriano, Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and uh, Bushi four way for the KOPW uh, trophy that came in at no, seven minutes thirty four seconds. I didn't see it on my feet at all. I, yeah, and, uh, I, I don't start them always on there. Yeah, because. Uh, um, I played the whole thing from beginning to end for the most part, and it wasn't even 
on there. So I mean, I'll I'll go back on there later and maybe I can find it. But I didn't I didn't even know that shit was on the card until I seen on um Instagram somebody posting pictures of it. I knew it was on the card, but I didn't see it. So yeah. I was just like, maybe they didn't show it. But I mean, that's really sad. We didn't get to see Stardom, but we got to see that Toriano match. I mean, not yeah. hating on Yano. Yano could go when he wants to go, but I mean, he's <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. Well, we know what we get with Yano. Yeah. For the sake of it, I, I will exclude um, the KOP. W match and I mean since we didn't see the female match I mean we can't talk about it properly but I heard it was okay yeah um, I believe the, that the next lowest time match on the card coming in at 12 minutes and 49 seconds was oh it was two stardom matches on here it was a six woman tag and a tag team match man so see damn, I didn't I, get to see those I missed both of those God damn. I like Joshi wrestling. I love Joshi performance. So I'm kind of pissed off I didn't get to see this. Yeah, so maybe we can go back and um check these two out and convene and talk about it later. But yes, sir. Let's go down the car again. And the next lowest timed match at 13 minutes and 20 seconds was the boys from Suzuki Gun versus uh, one and eight, <laughs> Master Wato and uh, Taguchi san. So, uh, <laughs> I didn't think they were gonna win Taguchi and uh, Master Wato. I and, oh. and it's weird to call Young Lion, uh, freaking Wato, I got damn Master Wato, or whatever. I know it's a character, or whatever, but I mean, shit, you're young pup, dude. <laughs> Wato actually. He, he was really good in this match, though. I liked Watto in this match. I can't call him Master Watto. No, no. Uh, uh, Taguchi, you know, you know what you're going to get with Taguchi. Taguchi is fun. Uh, we knew they wasn't going to win, though. But Watto, uh, hats off to Watto. He's a, he's a star in the making. I don't know mm -hmm. about the Masters. I mean, yeah, I, I think he need to change that about him, and I, you know, it, I think he'd be better received. But I mean, there might be people out there that like him. I just, I enjoyed him as a young lion. That just fiery motherfucker, just running around doing the drop kicks and everything, taking the, um, just getting it the ass beat the whole match, then making the comebacks and everything, and doing hot tags. I enjoyed that about him. That's kind of why I followed him when he left uh, New Japan and everything. But damn, just the, the the gimmick thing is just I, I I'm not enjoying that, and it's kind of taking me away from his performance. But he did do good tonight. Oh, okay, yeah. not what today, which was last night. There, yeah. you know what the fuck I'm Same talking about. Difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he, fuck he you, did. you don't. Yeah. And, um, the I think one of the also the standouts in this uh, match as well was a uh, Desperado, who I believe they're grooming for something more than a you know tag team shit yeah yeah he's a he he can go desperado's fucking code so yeah uh i'd like to see desperado and wado go one-on-one -on -one, honestly in in the future maybe um i had to look up the card but um ain't new year's dash is up next right yeah 
Yeah, there's gonna be some more mixed tag matches and all kind of shit like that. So I'll look at that tomorrow when it after it finished airing. But I mean, it was a cut and dry match. I mean, there was some good back and forth. They had some chicanery from the Suzuki Gun fellows and everything that had the bottle, didn't use the bottle, sh- sh- roll up shenanigans, things, and uh, it was just what it was. I mean, title did not change hands. Suzuki Gun keep it in their camp. And we get to see um, what is the fate of the I, IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Championships after New Year's Dash, I guess. Yeah, that's all. Oh, uh, they need to build. They need to build that that um the competition back up in in that. Like the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team matches used to have more competition. Those used to be star-studded matches. Like if you look back when when you know you had Young Bucks and Red Dragon and Rocky Romero and well, and those guys like going after that title, those were exciting-ass matches. They were fun, exciting-ass matches. That was kind of like just a, a card filler yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and, and to even go with what you were saying, man, it's just the division for the junior heavyweight title isn't what it used to be because a lot of the junior heavyweights have gone up to be heavyweights. And um, yeah, Romero is was. in and out. He only, you know, he only jump in when they need him to. Uh what uh yo from the uh, Rapungi 3k is injured so there's no showing yo right now damn freaking uh what what's his name uh shingo went up to heavyweight got down so what, which was a good move yeah lij is just kind of in disarray with their thing the only i think junior heavyweight they have is uh freaking bushi and rumble yeah. And Romu, so I don't know if they're going to even do any tag team shit because Romu got his own agenda, which we'll get into when we get to that match. But, yeah, there's not too many people in the way of junior heavyweights. They had Robbie Eagles and El Fantasmo, but they broke up because uh, Robbie Eagles joined Chaos when he broke away from Bullet Club. So that broke that tag team up. And just everybody's just heavyweights for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, they need to build that that division back up, man. And I mean, it's not like there isn't talent out there for them to build it back up. They just got to make it a priority to build that division back up and make it exciting like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Word. And then, you know, I got really excited when they did the Super J Cup and they introduced like Chris Bay and uh, freaking ACH and Leo Rush and all those other guys, I was like, oh, man, they're coming to New Japan? And I was like, oh, this New Japan USA. And I was like, oh. And then what? Uh, what's the other guy that I was kind of excited for? Alex Zane. He signed with WWE at the Performance Center. And I was just like, well, ain't going to see that guy for a long time. <laughs> but all in all, good match. Is that your Pikachu coming up in there? <laughs> <laughs> That's the future world champion. Oh, there he is. I've landed my first shove. Okay, we'll shove it your little ass out. Yeah. Quit skateboarding. <laughs> All right. Dad. All right. You're on a live Daddy. feed, bro. Bye. Dad. Daddy. What? I gave my so. dad a challenge. Light a big cat. You go get it. I can't reach it. Well, tell your brother to reach it. Yeah, he's trying to steal the show. 
<laughs> Say hi, world. But, but the next match on the card coming in at 21 minutes and 11 seconds, and it was one of the ones that we talked about the most. And that is Kingo Takage versus Jeff Cobb for the Never Open Weight Championship. And I think you gave six this a six-star match. Six match. <laughs> six-star match off the charts. Yeah, man. It's just like I already enjoyed Jeff Cobb. And just and Shingo is like the shit, <laughs> you know. And I was just like, these two big motherfuckers is just about to go in here and swing all the lariats at each other. Is I was almost tempted to switch over to the Japanese commentary for this match just so I can get the lariat. Uh, that match was strong style. Strong style, strong style, kick your ass, knock you out. That was a stole the show, six star match on a five star scale. That was a six star match, uh, <laughs> dude. It, great storytelling. They beat the dog snot out of each other. Watching the language, kids are present. Beats yeah. the beat the dog snot out of each other. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. So um, um, just, I don't know, man. It's, when I thought it was running down, like the, the credit to both performers, man. They put, they, they really displayed their skill and talent in this match. Cause it's like, I thought one was hurt and it was just kind of, you know, there was sandbagging cause they, you know, they were hurt and then they would just power back and just the strength of Jeff Cobb and he, he shit. Hell, even that to uh, Shingo, but, Hold on, yeah. let, me, let me see something right quick. I need to get some height and weights for perspective. So, Jeff Cobb, he is 5'10", which is relatively tall, but he is six, I mean, he is 265 pounds of meaty man meat. Meaty man meat. <laughs> and then you got Shingo Takagi, who is also 5'10", 5'11", weighing 220 pounds, which is very deceiving. You know, you look like you weigh more than that, but I mean, it's a lot of muscle. Muscle weighs more than fat. So you got 5'10", gentlemen, uh, Cobb, 265 pounds, Shingo, 220 pounds, and Cobb was just throwing Shingo around like he wasn't shit. <laughs> Uh, dude, it, it, it was it was messed up because I I I'm in the I'm getting done with my workout today, and I hadn't started watching day two because I was finishing my workout. I looked down at my phone and I get a text from you that says Shingo and Cobb, holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm he was like, don't like, spoil it for me. I was just like, dude. Watch that shit. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. Let me get to this shit. All right. I'm getting done with my workout. I'm going to watch this shit right now. And in the middle of the match, I'm texting you and I'm like, holy shit. This is, <laughs> dude, that was, um, stole the show. Stole the yeah, fucking I mean, show. I mean, despite the storytelling, 
of this card as far as the main event goes and some of the stuff with uh Ishimori and um Taka uh Hiromu, this was the match of the night. Matt, I would dare venture to say that this was a match of both nights. To me, to me, my opinion. I think it's or a match of the year. Just like pound for pound, just the match. Like if you turn all the sound off in the arena, no crowd, just this match in a microcosm, just in that ring, just the same way they did it. This is by far the match of Wrestle Kingdom to me. Yeah, it's a it's a match of the year candidate by far. That's a match of the year candidate. It was that damn good. Anybody who has not seen that match that is watching this right now. You need to watch Shingo versus Cobb. That is, that was like just watching a, a, a chaotic fucking montage of beauty. It, it was just great. It was, it was it was just two two muscular men throwing the shit out of each other. Especially Cobb when he do that damn that like that bear hug release over the head. Or whatever he did it on the outside of the ring, outside. and he fucking boomed, bounced. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Kelly said he's popping the hips. He's popping the hips. Poor, poor Shingo was just like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the psychology. It's not like this was just a like a, a all out a uh, slobber knocker. Mm-hmm. There was psychology to it. Shingo had some. Brilliant ring psychology in this match. I mean, yeah, they were sandbagging the fuck out of each other. It was a borderline fucking shoot. Uh, yeah, Kyle but, had his nose busted open and everything, man. Yeah, but that was strong style. That's strong style. That was two guys going out there saying, okay, let's beat the shit out of each other. We're here to fight. Let's beat the shit out of each other. We know how this is going to end. But let's just beat the shit out of each other. Cobb showing, uh, Cob showing off his Olympic prowess. The former Olympian. Yeah. Goddamn Cobb. Yeah. Uh, Six-star match on a five-star scale because it's off the fucking charts. That was... Uh, wow. That, that, that like, match made my night. <laughs> yeah, it's like we know Shingo to throw blows or whatever. He, he, usually the matches that he is in... He's more of the dominant type, but when you put him in there with Cobb, who, you know, they're the same height, but he give up the weight advantage, you know. So it's just like Shingo tried to go up, head up or whatever, which sometimes he prevailed, but majority of the time Cobb came out on top, especially like the traditional freaking shoulder tackles and everything, some of the clotheslines, and then Shingo just displaying his strength as well with some of the, the last of the dragon, because you got to lift that motherfucker up to do that, and um, some yeah. of his throws as well is just like it was a cruiserweight match in a semi-trailer body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about the fact that Shingo was tossing around a three hundred pound dude with hardly any give, I mean, it something else, and I mean that um. That moonsault slam that Kyle pulled off was yeah. fucking... Dude, that was something I did with my action figures when I was a kid. I never thought I'd see that in real fucking life. I mean, and he did that to a guy that weighs almost 230 pounds. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing this to, you know, also, 130 you know, uh, pounds. Somebody like that. Yeah. yeah. 
He picked up a dude that is a solid 220 pounds and backflipped with the son of a bitch in the air and slammed him. I mean, even the the whole, even though the like the the, his uh his uh power slam to tour the islands, just yeah, damn. And it got kind of scary. It got kind of scary at first because he tried to go off the top rope. I think he did that against somebody else uh, with the two yeah. islands off the top rope. And it looked like he almost dropped Shingo, man. And that shit was scary as fuck. But he yanked him back up and they just kind of kept going from there. But that was like the only scary part of the thing. Other than that, it was just, it was a masterful match. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Uh, there's no other it, words, verbs, and adjectives that I can use to describe this match. The only thing that I can say. With confidence, go watch that shit. <laughs> it was up. It was up there. It, it wasn't as hardcore, but it was up there with Makabe and Ishii at Wrestle Kingdom. Now, it was pretty fucking hardcore. Yeah, but yeah. I, this, you gotta remember, Makabe hit hit Ishii so hard at Wrestle Kingdom. Now Ishii puked. I mean, just but just, fucking gangster. Just think of, uh, I guess, uh, Ishii and Minoru Suzuki, but add the agility and spring of uh, freaking Ricochet and Osprey. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense in my head. <laughs> it's just, yeah. but that's what happened. <laughs> Great match. Right. We could, we could, we we could do a whole fucking show just on that match. Mm. That, wow. Yeah, but we could. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of uh, different things, like I missed this part, and uh, it's being brought up here in um, the chat right now that Osprey has a new name for himself. He 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 named himself something. Did you catch that? Uh, the um, the Commonwealth Boss or some shit like that. The Commonwealth Don or some shit. Yeah, what what was it, that name? If you're listening in the chat, there are viewing here if you if you i know uh brian down here is talking about it what did he name himself specifically because i missed that whole thing the common it was some gangster shit some gangster shit oh so we we can uh do this shit like gentlemen or we can get into some gangster shit that's that's what we're doing now yeah it was some gangster shit it was some gangster shit (laughs) all right exactly what it was though once again, look at that never open weight uh, championship match between um, Cobb and uh, Shingo. All right, coming oh, in at 23 minutes and 40 seconds, it is Sonata versus Evil. Worst match of the night. Yeah, I got some words on this one. Um, it was lacking. I fell asleep halfway through. I, I wouldn't I would not fault you for that, sir. It's just yeah. I don't know, man. It's just um it feels like Sonata has plateaued. And then also with evil, it just kind of like he's at where he's at because New Japan at the time was in a fix. They needed something new, something different, and he was just like the guy to do it with. But the match was boring. It, it it just didn't have nothing to it. And it, I I know they want Sonata to be this world heavyweight champion yeah. style 
stud. And I just I don't see it. I I didn't see it when he was on excursion in TNA. I didn't see it then. I don't see it now. I have never seen it. Saying he had a good match against Okada, I mean, Okada's getting to that point where he can have a good match with a broomstick. I mean, I don't see where Sonata's got it like that. And Evil, like you said, they needed something new. They was in a bind. Let's put the title on Evil. I mean, this the worst match of the night. I could have dealt without it. it. It was boring. Like I said, I was like, I was leaning back like this, like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah, but um, back to Osprey is the Commonwealth Kingpin. So you were correct. Told you it was some gangster shit. He's the Kingpin now. We got B Priestley over there rolling his blunts. He got some cognac on the side. He's the Kingpin now. <laughs> The cognac kingpin. <laughs> Damn right. But I don't know, man. It's just like these two individually, I had so much hope for, you know, in the beginning for them. You know, Evil had the match with Jericho. He had um, the great match with Okada. He had um, a good match with uh, Tanahashi. And he was like, making those steps to becoming uh, either intercontinental or dare I say a heavyweight champion at that time. And I just yeah. kind of feel like they waited too long. And then when they did it, it was just kind of like, it was a shock. If they was going for shock and awe, they, they definitely did that, but it was just after it was over, it was just kind of like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. Uh, Sonata, yeah. who I feel like he's another one of those guys, like Yujiro. Uh, it's the same moves every match, no matter what. You know he's going to yeah, do man. a moonsault out of the corner and put go into a dragon sleeper. You know he's going to put a motherfucker in the dragon sleeper and spin him around. You know he's going to go for the moonsault and miss at least once, or he's going to hit the moonsault on his back, flip the guy over, do another moonsault again, or you going to do the fake freaking flip over the top rope, then do a plancher outside. Then what? I mean, I think I just named every move in the match. He did, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He, it, I don't, I've never seen it. I know everybody wants to see it. I don't see it. He's not all that to me. His, like I said, the match, in, I mean, I honestly think evil's better than he is in Given the right dance partner or or opponent, Evil can put on a fucking clinic. He can put on some great matches, but him and Sonata wrestling each other was piss poor, suck ass. Go to the bathroom during this match. Skip this match if you want to. Go make yourself some food, order a pizza, something. The match ain't worth watching. It's not that good. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's something. You can probably pull good from this, but it's just like Sonata needs really? a change. Sonata needs a change. Name one good thing about that match. That it ended. Thank you. That's the only good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know, man. It's just like um, so there needs to be a change in Sonata. Because, I mean, they call him, uh, what, cold skull for a reason because he doesn't really emote. He doesn't really 
you know, he's just he's just there. He he does matter of fact, interesting thing, an interesting point that was brought up during this whole match on Sonata's part. He did not throw one single punch in his offense throughout the whole match. Cause it's so the I same mean, do shit. you think they're building him up for that? I mean I mean, but, uh, but no, nah, it goes back to what I'm saying. It's just like, it's the same shit. Drop kick, paradise lock, drag a sleeper, moonsault, plancha. That's the five moves of fucking goddamn Sonata, you know? And then he it, doesn't emote, so he doesn't really, like, connect too much to the fans. It's just like, he's just like. He's there. It, 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 he's just there doing the thing. It's like he on autopilot. I mean, he's a great athlete, but it's just like he get in the ring, boop, autopilot. Robot Sonata taking over now. <laughs> you know, and that's it. Yeah, it, 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 there's there's no psychology to him. There's no emotion to him. There's no anything to him. I mean, it, literally, if I'm watching a wrestling match. And I'm falling asleep. There's something wrong with the wrestling match. I'm that was tight. a piss poor match. <laughs> yeah. It, but I was trying. You wouldn't have said something. I think I had mentally blocked that message, that match out. I think but, it was like blocked out of my mind. I never wanted to remember that again. But for me, the commentary kind of made up for it a little bit. Because it would play into what we will see later on with the uh, main event, but since we can, we don't have too much to say about this match. So let's cruise on to the next thing. Next on the card, coming in at twenty-five minutes and thirty-one seconds, it is a uh, Hiromo Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. So I think you had some words about this match, correct? Um. I I would have rather Ishimori won the match. Um, I think he surpassed Hiromu as a performer. Uh, I think but he carried Hiromu through the entire match. Huh? Do you think that's due to his injury, though? Yes. Yes, I do. And, I mean, I love Hiromu as a performer. And it... it but he can't form on the level that he was on prior to. And I get scared for him when he mm-hmm. tries to do the high spots like he did against El Fantasma and stuff. It's like I'm cringing because I know how fucked up his neck is. And then to see them put the title on him when Ishimori is at the top of his game right now and he's just fucking a buzz of it, that kid is – Ishimori is is the total fucking package, and I, and that was the worst match of those two I've ever seen. I mean, Ishimori and, and Hiromu have had fucking clinics, five star clinics. Mm-hmm. That match was barely a three star match. Um, I, I knew from the time that he came back, and I'm talking about Hiromu that he was New Japan's golden boy as far as junior heavyweights go. And one, like we were saying not too long ago about the um, junior heavyweight titles, 
is damn, there's not too many of them, you know? No. So there's not. There's there, there's lacking. One, you had Hiromo who was getting hot before his injury. He was just, you know, he was, his star was just rising and burning ever so bright before he got hurt. Yeah. Then, you know, it was almost uncertain if he would ever walk or let alone wrestle ever again. So he yeah. come back to all this fanfare and everything just in celebration of him overcoming his injury and being able to wrestle again. And it's like they've just been gifting him shit because they could have lost him, you know? And it's just like, here you go, Horomo. Here you go. Retire Liger for us. Uh, Goddamn. Win this IWGP Junior Heavyweight title again. And just, I don't know. It's some other interesting stats that the commentary brought up, which I thought was superb. Commentary on point for this whole program and whatnot. But yeah, as soon as I seen Horomo win the best of Super, I was like, oh yeah, psh, he getting the title, no problem. And I knew it was going to be against Taji Ishimori, who has out of their freaking their freaking skirmishes has the most wins out of the both of them. You know, so <sighs> shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like this when it comes to Hiromu. Because before Hiromu's injury, I was the biggest fucking mark for him on the planet. I thought he was just fucking amazing in the ring. And now, like I said, I see him do the high spots, and I'm like, oh, no, Hiromu, don't do that because I care about his well-being. Yeah. But then to, to put him in the ring with Ishimori, who... Ishimori could give you a five-star match with anybody on any roster in the world. He can. I mean, that's the match was just it, you could tell Ishimori was doing his best to protect Hiromu too. So it, this match was three stars. It ruined the whole match and I mean, just to put the title on someone you know is probably running it at 65% health mm-hmm. and putting the title on them when you got a superstar like Ishimori right there, it just I, I, this made no sense to me. None of it made any sense to me. I mean um, we we got some, we got a comment in the chat. My man is saying that maybe they're prepping Ishimori for something other, something else, like maybe moving up to heavyweight, which I don't know about that because the dude is five four, hundred something pounds. I don't know. I never heard of a heavyweight that big. <laughs> nah, it's it's the that's a misconception because he he's cut up and on TV he looks bigger than he really is. Dude is tiny, but like you just said, he yeah he's five foot four. He's yeah. max muscle. I mean, Ken, Kenny so, Omega is six foot tall. You know, I mean, yeah. that was a comparison that was made, but I mean, that dude six foot two hundred something pounds. I mean, that's understandable. Maybe being a heavyweight, skeeking in there, but I mean, that's still heavyweight over two hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean, it's see this. Yeah, this Ishimori is like small. <laughs> this is the thing. Bottom line is, Hiromu is more marketable than Ishimori. That's 
that I will say. That's 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 all it is. So I mean, you got a more recognizable and uh, freaking titleable superstar in Hiromu over Ishimori, who's almost almost. I ain't gonna say it's kind of like Sonata. I mean, he's a great performer, but I mean, he doesn't really emote. He doesn't like you know make you feel sympathy. Although he was selling the hell out of that back bump on the goddamn um, tarmac out there when they fell down or whatever, he was like, "Ah!" <laughs> so I like Ichimori. I, I think he's. I, I, I really do. I just uh, I I don't I don't think Hiromu's in good enough health to have a good title run with the and put on the type of matches that I expect for anyone having an IWGP title of any kind, because I expect I expect a level of high performance to anybody who holds one of those belts. And I just don't think that Hiromu is physically capable of having reigns with five-star matches like that. Just my opinion. And I love Hiromu. And I get scared for Hiromu when he wrestles. Just not there, man. Not there. Bad, bad move. On, in my opinion, that was a bad move. Really? Is he that old? Forget that up. Said Ishimori down 37. He might be. Yeah, goddamn. They hide it well, man. They hide it fucking well. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they work out a lot and they take care of themselves. Oh, I shit, mean, I'm, it, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing trash. These motherfuckers in my age bracket, 37, 38. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll be I'll be 43 next month. So, you know, nobody thinks that. No one believes that. that. <laughs> yeah, no one believes that. But I'm born in the 70s here. So doing my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that means you so that means you got experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh what's what's next on the card? Oh, anyway, um we had Hiromu and um freaking uh Ishimori. But like I said, he's new he's New Japan baby. He's yeah. their freaking their superstar or whatever. They give he won best of super juniors, he uh freaking retired Liger. And he's the freaking uh, junior heavyweight champion. And he's also made the proclamation, proclamation, emancipation proclamation, <laughs> that he wants to main event a Wrestle Kingdom with the IWGP junior heavyweight title. Because it's never been done and he wants to be the one to do it. I don't think he's physically capable of putting on the type of match that would have to be put on. Hey man, as long as the story's there, it'll write itself. I, I like I said, it, I, my you, opinion: man. if you're holding any any of those, he might surprise you. I'm just praying that if he does surprise me, he doesn't do it and end up in a fucking way. Yeah, 
<laughs> you and me I, Yeah, that's my thing. All right, so last match on the card. Rounding out at 48 minutes and five seconds. And it's Kota Ibushi versus Jay White for the IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. Let's go. Five-star um, match. It was real good. It was a top-notch performance by Jay White. I think yeah. even though this was Kota Ibushi's story, <laughs> Jay, Jay White wrote the soundtrack. He wrote the score for the movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, very well. I mean, he did his Jay White shit and then some. Yeah, it, it, uh, Jay White really stole the show here, even though it was a Bushi's night, like you said. And and like I said, with that post interview, the way he sold that is just. I'm. I wouldn't have been surprised if he won the match, but I was glad Abushi's going to get that run with the IWGP yeah. World. You are uh, exactly right. But good gosh, man, did, did did Jay White show his ass or what? He he had a brilliant wrestling match, and the pace of this match was perfect. It was an ideal, perfect paced match. Mm. It was a Good, solid wrestling match. And I, I heard people shitting on it saying, oh, well, we expect this at Wrestle Kingdom. We expect this. We expect that. Dude, you you, you just started watching New Japan. And you're expecting this and expecting that. And that goes into what I was saying. Don't judge all match main events off of the shit that you've seen at Wrestle Kingdom 9 or Omega versus Okada. Those are once-in-a-lifetime type shows or matches. This was still a good five-star, solid wrestling match. Mm -hmm. It told a story. Had psychology. Great moves. It was a it was a perfect match. There was nothing wrong with this match. You could not name one thing wrong with this match. Man, it it also broke a record in the Tokyo Dome for the. Um for the time length that it ran 48 minutes and what I say five seconds. Um, the previous match I think was 46 minutes and some change. I can't remember the seconds exactly. So th this was a record breaking match for the Tokyo dome at freaking Russell kingdom for a title match. And it was a great match. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had what I no thought, problem. What I thought was funny though, not to cut you off. What I thought was funny though, the very beginning, before they really even locked up and did anything or whatever, how Jay White was like, okay, get down off the apron. Don't you touch him. Don't you do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he did. that. They played off the fact that couldn't nobody make any noise. Mm -hmm. That shows good yeah, psychology. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you and I, I, I wanted to bring that up and I'm glad you said something about it. The mic work and camera work for this show played into this, this story just perfectly because you can hear yeah. everything when they wanted you to hear it. You can even hear the, the freaking tights rubbing across the vinyl of the mat and shit. 
I mean, you heard everything when you needed to hear it, especially when Jay White was admonishing uh, Ghetto. He was like, no, 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 don't you do that <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Or just when Jay White be berating Abushi when he's down on the mat. I mean, you can hear what he's saying, and I, I think that was a masterful job. It was. And that's, that is what you call psychology 101. That was great wrestling. That was some Jake the Snake shit. Jay White is really coming into his own yes. as a performer. And it's 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 great to watch because the kid, he's actually surprising me because mm-hmm. he's really better than I thought he was. I'm glad he grew some he's, faith. <laughs> I don't know, man. That, that facial hair kind of looked funny. Because when I first seen him, I was just like, yo, this dude looked 12. You look like you're straight out of freaking Greece, John Travolta and shit. You're the one that I want. No. <laughs> I don't Dude, know which episode it was. Which episode it was that, that we did a, a, a wrestling is trash, but you said you said uh what if Jay White grew a beard? Would that would that make him better? Yeah, exactly. Cause you you were saying how you didn't like him. I was like, what if he grew a beard? And he did. Yeah. And now he's awesome. <laughs> He was like, what if he grew a beard? I can't remember if that was one of the old school episodes. It was just audio or or what it was. But, yeah, we, we got into that whole whole thing. We was like, what if he grows a beard? What if he does this? And now, you know, this kid, and he is, he's a kid. And I mean, he's came into his own to where now he's got this, this pace prowlessness in the ring where he knows – when to do what mm-hmm. and when to pull off the big move or the, the light move. He plays on the chronology that's that's Jake the Snakeish. Mm-hmm. I mean it, he's got yeah and he's got the fucking it factor. This kid is something special. I would not be surprised if, if Triple H's booty gets moist watching this kid. He's a I mean Gosh, this kid's a fucking star. Uh-huh. I yeah, mean, it's, it's like there's nothing really inconsistent about his character. His character from nothing. day one has been some somewhat of this iteration that you see now. Is he came in and he was already bucking the system. He was like, I don't believe in factions right off the bat. And then mm-hmm. he, he kind of was teetering on getting in with chaos. And then when he got into chaos, he started to tear chaos down from the inside. Talking about wh- wh- why, since Okada's the champion and uh, he's in chaos, why does nobody in chaos challenge Okada? You know? Yeah. He, he was like, he was really against that type of a uh, hierarchy in these, uh the freaking factions and whatnot. So he, went into chaos and tore that down from the inside. He made the transition to Bullet Club because at the time he thought he was going to run the Bullet Club. And, you know, he is now for the most part, but at the time it was just like he was inserting himself into Bullet Club so he can work his way up and take over Bullet Club and everything. And his character has been the same and has been consistent since day one and it's only grew on top of those things. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I, and that's what I'm saying on this this 
post interview, it's almost like they're they're building him up to do more. He's got that he can he can take them to a higher level. He really can. And it's because of his, his mic skills. And he's you can't name nothing bad about this dude's game. Now it it looks like he's purposely cut about 40 pounds. But I mean he's still a big guy and lean muscle. But it's looked like he's cut cut about 40 pounds. Uh but that means if he could cut it like that, that means that he could build it back up anytime he wants as well. Um there's you could watch this match and not find a flaw in this match. There's not a flaw in it. It, it had comedy, psychology, good wrestling, great storytelling. The good guy comes out on top, but then the bad guy is revered for his heart and and does a post interview where where everyone starts to like have an emotional yeah, connection with him. That's simpy. <laughs> yeah, he's. Jay White got fucking sympathy. This guy got fucking sympathy. I mean, and that's something like MJF could never get. Mm. I mean, MJF's fucking arrogant heel. He's great yes. at what he does. He's an arrogant fucking heel. Yeah, I thought it was a little but, much over the top at the Brody tribute when he pulled the sun mask off and started spitting on it and shit. thought that was a little over the top. Yeah. But given the fact that was... Uh, Brody's son, there's no doubt in my mind that he hadn't hit hipped his son to how wrestling works. So, you know, I was just like, okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> you know, can we speak on that real quick? Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people have started following the show more since we've been doing the video. But, um, when we started doing this, it was all audio over the phone. And um, if you ever watched, I mean, ever listened to those, I had been singing the praises of, of Brody Lee for years and years, ever since he was in the Wyatt family. What do you need to tell me? You giving that. Wait until I'm done. Okay. All right. Bye. Um, when he was Luke Harper, I'd been singing his praises for years. I, when he was injured, I said, uh, it has to be the doctors that aren't letting him perform because Luke Harper would just put duct tape on his elbow and go out there and wrestle. What? Okay, we'll get it. So, I mean, I just want to say that, you know, this really touched me hard because I seen how great Luke Harper was, Brody Lee, long before, you know, he died. And now everyone's like, oh, Brody Lee this, Brody Lee that. Mm -hmm. I've been on this guy saying he was a superstar for years. And I, I marked out when he won the IC title. And yes. I think we did, the, we did the show when he won the IC title. And I said it was about damn time. Yeah. Uh, I think even then we talked about he could have been freaking heavyweight champion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We was um, we was on the Brody Lee train long before he was the exalted one, and uh, that hurt. 
knowing that he was finally getting to do what he could do, you know, with free range and, and seeing how he was just making that character his own. And for this to happen, man, is real heartbreaking to me, man. It, it really, it tugged at my old heartstrings, man. And, um, yeah, I just want to take this time to send my thoughts and prayers to family, man. And, um, he will be missed greatly as a performer. Yeah. Did you, um, on that same note, did you hear the um, speech that, uh, what's his name? Eddie Kingston. Yeah. The Eddie Kingston speech backstage. That was fucking phenomenal yeah. as well. Another great talker that I've kind of fell into. I've heard and seen Eddie Kingston, but I never really heard that dude talk until he popped up on AEW. And I'm just like, I'm sad for all the shit that I missed. <laughs> yeah, because he he's got he he's got the gift to gab. He's a brilliant. I just thought he looked brilliant. weird. Cause like I said, I only seen him in pictures and I seen a couple of clips of him wrestling. I was like, this dude looks weird as fuck. And then I actually got to hear hear him talk. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's got it. <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> he's got it. He don't even have to yeah. wrestle. That dude can just come ringside and talk all day. And I'm just like, I'm I'm with this. <laughs> we can have a promo yeah. on the pole match. Just put Eddie King in. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new gimmick. Promo on the pole match. <laughs> but yeah, man. That, that, that sucks. It's kind of sucks to think about the, your boy. Um, but Jay White, he got yeah. it. I don't know where he's from yeah. here, but he got it. Uh, another question that was asked in the chat how long? Do you think it will be before they separate the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental championship? My thought was when I saw Sonata, the Obushi one, that that might have been the separation there to where he would have challenged for the IWGP intercontinental title. Because, you know, I mean, we did talk about Sonata earlier, whatever. We, I mean, we said what we said, but. Out of the two, I see him more as an intercontinental guy rather than the heavyweight championship guy. But we still need to see what Kota Bushi wants to do. I know he accepted the challenge for a later date. He didn't say when, but he did accept the challenge. And not, that was not Naito's thing. He wanted to defend each belt separately. But we don't know what Kota Bushi wants to do. Will he honor what Naito said? I don't know why I'm saying that. Naito said or will he do his own thing like he tends to do I guess time will tell but I'm just I'm kind of scared that Abushi versus Sonata will put me to sleep <laughs> well I mean there, there'll be something to pull from that but as far as how long will it be until I don't know they can start cycling talent in but you know, more regularly, I don't think they'll separate it until they can do that. Because I mean, they're suffering in a way the same way WWE is and how AEW is. They're not really bringing in too many new people because of all the protocols that are in place because of COVID and all this other stuff. I mean, there's a vaccine now that's floating around. So, you know, maybe things will change over time, but that's not going to be no time soon. 
So until they can get new faces in there, replenish that junior heavyweight division, um, I don't see them separating those titles no time soon. I mean, I guess we'll just see. I, I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I don't have no problem with the rules that we were talking about earlier. I mean, they might let a person like Taiji Ishimori or even Yo uh, challenge for the IWGP uh, heavyweight double strap elemental P thing. There's a lot of letters in there. <laughs> so I would rather see Shingo versus Ibushi for the world heavyweight title. Yes. And we talk about people that could carry the heavyweight strap. I mean, regardless of it being, you know, IWGP and heavyweight, but just the heavyweight title as is, I'm rooting for Shingo. If there was some kind of microcosm or way that Yo can get in there, um, or Show, Show, which one? Show is the blonde one, right? Show is the one that's not injured. Show, yeah, Show. If Show could kind of somewhere just like I don't even mean just have a match. It doesn't necessarily have to be for the title, but I would like to see him fight some of the main events, some of the heavyweights and whatnot. Because Show has it. He he really yeah. does. There's something yeah. about that dude. I'm like, man, he, he got star written all over him, but it's just one of those things. Like Taiji Ishimori, it's the height and weight thing, man. I mean, I guess we'll – gosh, man, Kobe's back there snoring. <laughs> I didn't know what that sound was. My dog, my dog back there snoring. <laughs> uh, we'll just have to wait and see what they do, man. I'd like to see those titles separated, though. And like I said – like you said, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with Ishimori winning the IC title. No. I mean, I'd I like to see Shingo go for the world title. I mean, and Shingo's a legit heavyweight. I mean, and then if we get this super show, like, how fucking awesome would it be if they had a super show where Omega defended the world, the, the AEW title against Ibushi's IWGP title? That would be stupendous. <laughs> You know, um, we got another question here. What do, do you feel like it was maybe a year too late that they pulled the trigger on Bushi, uh, uh, Koto Bushi, uh, for him to put the, put the strap on him? And it was goes back to what I was saying earlier. Whatever it is, like it was trust issues, man. Trust issues. Yeah, like, he wasn't a product of the New Japan Dojo, like we were speaking about earlier. I mean, he made his name somewhere else and worked his way into New Japan. So it was just like, yeah. This dude is a fucking flight risk. We don't know if he's going to be here today and gone tomorrow, and we don't want to, you know, put too much stock in him. But he's committed to the yeah. company now, and, you know, he's affirmed that he ain't going nowhere. So the timing is right I mean, in comparison to that, but he should have been champion a long time ago. Yeah, they got to understand, like, the, the issues that New Japan has had before with doing, with, like, they put the belt on Brock Lesnar, and he basically held it for ransom. I mean, they've yeah. had some issues there, man. I mean, once you have your title held for ransom in another country, I mean, not saying that isn't what Moxley's kind of doing, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it puts a sour taste in your mouth. You don't want to put your title on your, your, you know, that's basically when they've given someone the world title, he's representing everything about that company. 
he is the standard bearer for that company. They don't need that title, you know, showing up in another place. Mm-hmm. And they want out. that title defended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I so and, uh it kind of in those ways that like how you're talking about with him in that title is it's kind of the same way for Mox in his title. I mean, it was different circumstances for him because you know he left WWE and just started signing contracts and wasn't even reading the fine print. He was just like, Fuck it, I'm gonna go wrestle everywhere. I do what I want, you know. And they yeah, AEW being the company that they are, they upheld their end of the bargain. It's like, all right. You got a contract with them. We understand that. We need you here to do this and do this and this. And then this pandemic shit is a whole nother level of some other shit. Because, I mean, I believe Moxley yep. would have been in New Japan more often, you know, with uh, defending that championship. And then it, it kind of got stuck on him because of the pandemic. So he couldn't go back and forward and whatnot. Then they had the weird thing about they took it off of him. They put it on Lance Archer. Then Lance Archer wind up leaving put it on juice juice lost it back to moxley which i thought it was a weird thing to do given the circumstances beforehand because you took it off of him because he couldn't come there then you put it on another guy that left then you took it off of him and put it on juice then you give it back to the guy that left originally and i'm like what the fuck is this shenanigans <laughs> you know yeah shenanigans so major, I mean, major shenanigans so now I don't even, it's up in the air now. I don't even know what to think about him and Kenta. It's going to be an interesting match. I won't say it's going to be a good match. It's going to be an interesting match. And are they going to take it off of him and put it on Kenta? Who's also doing New Japan USA? So it's it's just weird. <laughs> we'll see. That's all I can say. I'm a little confused about it myself, man. I, I I'd like to see them build New Japan USA up more using that U.S. title, honestly. Like, just like the U.S. title is only defended on U.S. US soil, except for like at Wrestle Kingdom or something like that. And like build a company brand around that because New Japan has got a, a fan following here in the United States. And they want to see that specific style of wrestling. Yeah, and they got a foothold here in the United States as well. They got the dojo in Los Angeles. They got New Japan Strong, which is American talent. And um, from what we've seen on the freaking uh, Wrestle Kingdom commercials and shit, that they're going to be on American television here pretty soon in 2021. Yeah. So, so I mean, we'll see what happens. I just pray that they don't ruin... I pray they don't try to Americanize their product just because they think it's going to help them grow because we got enough sports entertainment here. Well, what I'm thinking it is, is, I mean, if we are, you know, thinking that they're going to do this gigantic super super show with all these different cross promotion things or whatever, them having a stronghold in the United States would kind of foster that. So not necessarily all their talent doesn't have to always go to Japan or whatever. They have a stock of talent and a crop of talent in the United States, and that'll be kind of easier. So, you know, who knows how this pandemic shit going to work out, all this coronavirus shit. If you got a stock of New Japan talent that's already in the United States, they ain't got to worry about going through customs and quarantine and then doing all this other shit because they have all the protocols in place here in the United States, and it would make those crossovers a hell of a lot more easier to do. So, I mean, 
it's different aspects or whatever. I mean, we don't work backstage, but just looking at the pieces that are falling into place, I mean, it kind of suggests that in a way. Yeah, we're not we're not up here claiming to be insiders and dirt sheet readers, you know. That's- the only thing I'm inside is my office and in my wife. So yeah. Damn right. <laughs> damn right. Now I'm gonna be inside this damn bed as soon as I'm done with this podcast. So we ain't no insiders and we ain't just going up dirt sheets and shit. We are actually giving our opinions on wrestling, whether you like them or not. And because so I mean, wrestling journalism and dirt sheets and all this other stuff. It's just opinions anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's just opinions. So what was your favorite part of Wrestle Kingdom there, young man? Tell Did you me. Watch it? But yeah, man, I think we covered the whole thing and whatnot. I appreciate everybody that tuned in and stopped by and said hi and left some questions and whatnot. But we're going to go ahead and put a pin in it. So you got anything to plug there, Anomaly? Where everybody can find you on the interwebs? Uh, Just look for me on Twitter at at Anomaly. 49, because I ain't accepting Facebook uh, friend request or Instagram shit right now. Dad, Daddy, that shit's filled up. What? And then, um, in, in, <laughs> I'm not surprised, but in all this glory and fashion, chat box is always showing up when the stream is ending. Anytime I'm getting ready to end the stream, that's when the chat box show up. I see you down there. I got to hit the horn for you. Every time I'm like, hey man, we need to shut this shit down. And he'd be like, here you come with this damn referee emoji and shit. Matter of fact, here you come up on the screen. There he is right there. Don't even put the emoji up. It's a football touchdown. <laughs> but anyway, I still appreciate you stopping by. You're awesome. Yes, sir. They do movie reviews over there on their Twitch. So follow them on uh Twitch.tv forward slash the chat box. Uh, watch movies with you. Watch play games on Saturday. An anomaly that's getting his uh, Wrestle Kingdom beat down from his kid. Did you Strong style, baby. <laughs> and we'll see you next time.